new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Afternoon, everybody. Welcome, Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry, watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public at RMFP.com, you were at the game last night, Terry. Electric, is that uh, understating it? Yeah, it's understating. It was very, very exciting. You know, there was the pro forma question after the game well, what did you think of the crowd? And I usually wince because 90% of the time, well, what are they going to say? They right. say, oh, the crowd, the crowd was really a downer. They didn't get into it. But their answers were really were very sincere and, I think, appropriate. It really was an electric crowd. This is getting to be known as one of the better crowds in the NHL. There's, there's some places uh, where it's sophisticated, sitting-on-your-hands type, type uh, spectatorship until something big happens. This is, be- this is becoming known as one of the better crowds in the NHL. It's been a long, you know, it's been... It's been uh, 27 years now, so I mean we've worked our way up to it. But I think very clearly that's where they belong now. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, so let's talk about how we're feeling about yesterday's win. Obviously, you're thrilled to get a win. But was this an Avs team that dominated play and the final score was not as close as the score indicates? Yes. Or do you see it as the Blues were dominated, but... They had chances to win this game in which they were completely overwhelmed. Both of the above. And I don't see why that's not considered. It shouldn't be considered contradictory. And that's the way playoff hockey works a lot of the time. And in this case, I think the Avalanche did get away with one in the sense they didn't play their best game. They didn't bring their A game. The bus drivers didn't drive the bus. They got, but they got secondary contributions from other players and managed to win. And that's what playoff hockey is. They did not get great goaltending from Darcy Kemper. But he didn't, he didn't, and by the way, I know what you're waiting to pounce on me for. No, I'm not going to say anything. You tell me what I'm going to say. You were going to say that I, I was feeling very uneasy about him playing, coming off the eye injury. No, I'm not saying that. You said that yesterday. Yes, I did. Okay, so you brought it up. Okay, I was, I was If wrong. you want to walk into the pothole you dug for yourself, no. knock yourself out. Okay, I was wrong. <laughs> but, uh, Whoa, he, he, Danny, did you, I'm, Danny, did you hear that? Three days into the show, Terry actually said I'm wrong. I couldn't get that out of Mace for two years. <laughs> wow. That well, is awesome. Well, I hope you don't have to say it very often. And the, right. the other the other part of that is me admitting it. So there's two elements to that. But I think Darcy Camper was good enough. There's nothing wrong with winning a game when your goaltender is good enough. He had, what, 23 saves? Why was he good enough? He gave up one goal he shouldn't have. True. The, the other one, he had no shot. But sh- this team is going to score enough goals that if they can hold the other team, the opposition, whether it's the Blues or the Oilers in the next round, if they can hold the opposition to two goals, Again, they'll I, be all right. I'm going to respectfully disagree with something you said. Let's look at game two against Nashville. And how did you just describe this game? They, they didn't play as well as they could have? Is that what you said? Yes. Correct. Is that how you would have described game two they still, against Nashville? They were buzzing around, but they weren't. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't score a lot of goals. They were buzzing around. They were inefficient. They were hitting posts. There were a lot of things, that, a lot of elements involved in it. So they didn't play their best game. They, but it's impressive that they were viewed as buzzing around. Look at all the, the shots on goal they got. And so I think they, 
it was a very impressive performance in my mind because because it wasn't their best game, but it was still dominating the game. I would totally disagree, and I'll tell you why. I don't think they played a good game. I think they played an outstanding game, and I'll tell you why. Yes. They dominated on hits. They dominated on face-offs. We talk all the time about one-on-one battles. They crushed the Blues on one-on-one battles. Puck possession, they dominated. Getting the puck out of their own zone, they dominated. I understand it's all about scoring goals. How did Randon and that. McKinnon do? How did were Taves were Taves and McCarr dominant? No, they weren't. Do they? So, so is our metric about the Avalanche? Oh, I'm setting I'm setting the bar very very high. No, I understand that. So are we? They, they were underneath that bar last night, despite uh, despite the appearances of dominating the game. Buzzing around, getting all those shots on goal, hitting posts. They still it still wasn't their best game. I'm not suggesting it's the best game they've ever played. So are you suggesting that the metric is in order to say they played their best game? They have to play play their best game. Hold on a second. In in order to say that they played a very good game. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest, what kind of game did they play? Seven. Okay. I will go eight and a half maybe a nine. Okay. And this is where maybe we're different about this. So it sounds to me like that in order for them to be at an eight and a half or a nine, McCarr and McKinnon have to dominate. Yes. Oh, I totally disagree. It's a team game. It's a team. So wait a minute. So if for the sake of argument, who hit the post, who hit the post? I don't know. It wasn't McCarr. It was McKinnon. It wasn't McKinnon. There's a bunch of other guys. Yeah. So let's say the bunch of other guys, not named Landeskog or Rantanen, those pucks went in, and suddenly the final score is six to two. But, See, but, the, but the post is part of hockey. The idea that you don't you throw any consideration out if they hit the post or one inch to the right and it's a goal. That that's part of the sport. The, the post is part of the equipment. Is I'll ask you this just as a, a point of conversation. Is hitting the post a near goal? Is that how you view it? Yeah, it is a near goal. No, it's not. It is a near goal. It's not a near goal. An inch to the right. No, it's not. It's not a near goal. goal. You know why? Why? Uh, Because when you shoot a free throw and you hit the rim and it doesn't go in, is that a near make? It's a different. No, 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 no. It's the same exact thing. You're, and by the way, nobody's on you. You're standing at the free throw line. You bang it off the rim. Doesn't go in. Is that a near miss? No, it's a missed shot. That's exactly That's what apples it. and oranges. Why is it apples and oranges? It, it's not the same thing. Why is it's it not, not the same thing? thing? I'm serious. Why is it not the same thing? What's the difference? It's a missed shot. That's all it is. Okay. It's a missed shot. All right. I, I don't see why there is a difference on this because at the okay, end of we, we differ on how they played last night. Yeah. I thought they played a fantastic game. I, I don't. They, they did not play a fantastic game. When they have to... When uh, the uh, line, the uh, the change on the penalty kill did them in, no question. That was not uh, a disciplined move. Jared Bednar talked at length about it after no the doubt. game. No doubt, it involved discipline and yep. and it's something they have to try to take care of. That, that's that's a major issue, and they just didn't play as well as they could. That doesn't mean they played an awful game. And I'm damning them. Right. I'm saying they can play much better than that. They have to play much better than that to win the Stanley Cup. And it isn't just because they 
you can't just wave that off because they had 53 shots. On if the they play like that throughout the rest of the playoffs, they will win the Stanley Cup I, at this level. I don't think so. 54 shots, they will win the Stanley Cup. Well, they, they put over, they shoot over 100 shots. Will it work against Tampa Bay? Will it, will it work against Florida? If you if you shoot the puck over a hundred times, yeah, it'll work. Okay, because eventually enough shots will eventually well, we'll just go have in. To see if that's how that plays out. I don't I, think. I it, think they can play much better than that, yeah. and I think they need to play much better than that. And you can't you can't be condescending and just wave it off as boy, boy, they were just unlucky, or they would have won eight to one. I don't think they were unlucky. Again, we we differ on the whole post thing. However, um, I was writing about Manson and Gerard last night, right? So I was getting started on that. So I wasn't painstakingly watching every rush down the ice or every shot or any, everything like that. And that's part of the, one of the issues uh, about sports journalism, hockey writers, I still haven't seen Huey Krupp's goal. <laughs> I was writing the story that he did night. score by the yeah, way. I think he did. Yeah. So I, I can't tell you that I painstakingly analyzed every shot on goal, every rush, every, every clear, every clang off the post. Right. You can but make, I can tell you that my impression is, and I still believe, that that team has to play much better than that to win the Stanley Cup. You can make the case, for sure, they should have had a shutout had they yes. had they not turned the puck over in their own zone on the first goal. And So does that have anything to do with how well you play? You they, made, they, they made the mistakes. That's what they have to get rid of. You made They made two mistakes that cost them two goals. I am with you on that. And those were, un, to me, those were unforced errors. So I'm being fair about it. Yes. Those were unforced errors. And Ryan O'Reilly is one hell of a player. And oh, by the way, Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur in net at the same time <laughs> would not have saved the shot that Ryan O'Reilly roofed. No one. From in front. No one unattended, was making that Unattended save. And, and in front. What's that? Unintended, unattended and in front. Yes. No one would have made that save. Ryan O'Reilly is uh, the second goal. The second goal Kemper should have made. It went right through his legs. Yes, and there was nobody shielding. He, he dreaded five hole. Right, right. So and, we differ. I I think they have to win. They have to play better. You know, and I think if uh, some things that happened different in that game, this is the apples and oranges argument again. Argument again. Uh, we would be talking about how much rust they had. And, I wouldn't be. They. This is you've covered hockey longer than I have. What do coaches talk about all the time in order they different segments of the game, winning one-on-one battles? They won those constantly, constantly cycled the puck out of their zone. Their forecheck was good. And oh, by the way, well, what does that count on the scoreboard? I understand it's about the final score. They, they, they faced the goalie who made some great saves. By the way, Eric Johnson, he had a he had a wide open net. <laughs> and he whiffed. Yes, okay. He did. And I'm with you on that. But I don't think over the course of a seven game series, when you have all those opportunities, you're only scoring three. I think that game was an aberration for the amount of pressure that they okay. put on them. Okay, we're gonna find out because this is the most mentally and physically testing postseason in sports. You have to ride the ups and downs. No question. You have to have a short memory. Yep. So we'll see how it translates in, in game two. I think I think they have to play better. I also think the fact that they didn't play their A game, they didn't play their A game, and still won does yep. does say something. I'll go along with the idea more more so that that uh, it's a positive sign for the Avalanche that they didn't play their A game and they still won. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll that, get, that, that's what they did in that entire month when they were hot 
winning games when they were winning games at home and playing, pulling out miracle finishes. They were never, rarely were they playing their A game. They still found ways to win. Right. They found a way to win last night again. I'll tell you this. I have never watched a game, at least a, a, a playoff game, where in overtime, the other team was outshot 13 to nothing. No, that was pretty dominant. Well. I'll grant you that. And that's a game. That's a game. That's a perfect that score. That was a game, yeah. That's a perfect score. That's a perfect score. But 13 it's also, to nothing. It's also leaving yourself... Uh, the safety net issue because what all what happens a lot of times yes that, you walk the tire up you're gonna fall I get what, it what happens a lot of times is you you may, you may outshoot the opposition thirteen to nothing or eight to two or well, you're not gonna or lose whatever. If you shoot them and then all nothing. of a sudden all of a sudden you make a mistake and the pucks in your net here and the the idea of waving that off by saying well we dominated the overtime well what mm. what good is that gonna do for for all of you uh, hockey fans out there that think we don't talk hockey enough. I'll describe what the Blues could have done in three ways. They could, <laughs> they could have gotten a greasy goal. They could have gotten a soft goal. And they, uh, they could have gotten uh, uh, one of them goals that, uh, that uh, well, a fluky goal. They could have gotten a fluky goal, a greasy goal, and they could have gotten uh, one of those other type of goals. That's the only way they would have won the game. Well, then they had to keep their legs moving. They had to get pucks, pucks to, to the net. They had to have traffic in front of the net. Oh no! By the way, by the way, their A game, their their A game players didn't play an A game. I give more credit to Landeskog, yeah. or as much credit to Landeskog screening Bennington on the and the goal. shot by Manson was picture perfect. But if Landeskog isn't standing there, that shot doesn't go in. Well, and he had he had kind of mucked it up in front previously. Yes, the, on that shift, so he he set the stage, so to speak. So I'll, I'm giving him all yeah. the credit in the world. For that. I, I'm encouraged because their top guys didn't play their best games. You can make the case McCarr played his worst yes, playoff game. There's no so, but he's, he's, that, but he's had some great. He's had great playoff games. Right. So, so that bar was so high. when McKinnon is on and McCarr is on and Rantanen still hasn't scored yet. I'll tell you who didn't play well and honestly really hasn't played well through the opening five games. And it's stunning to me is Kadri. Yeah, he's he, the, forget he's, about the score. He's sheet. got the most incentive of anybody in this series. because he's going to be a free agent. And it, is, it isn't just money; it's kind of redemption for yes. being suspended last year and kind of being blamed for the as the guy who got the cart rolling downhill. But it's more than the score sheet. He's turning over the puck. Yeah, his passes aren't tape to tape. He isn't doing those things either. Hopefully, he picks it up. Coming up after the break, the Broncos are going to be practicing with somebody this summer. Who are they? And do you like joint practices? That's nice. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Guess you better slow. You must Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. 
If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. The count so far today is zero. Well, point one, I almost oh, slipped. And Danny kind of smiled at me like, you almost messed up again. So, Well, I almost slipped yesterday, so... Did you? I did. I didn't even notice it because you are so flawless. I was I'm ex- smooth. I I played it off pretty well. Well, what happened? Well, it was it was when I was teasing just in case you missed it, and I was just on autopilot, and I caught myself at the last second. Good for you. You're you're a better man than I am. Smarter man. I don't know about man. all that. But. I don't know about that either. I'm just trying to say the right thing and be nice. Hey, I want to tell you about Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Colorado weather quickly changing with the exception of Saturday, in which it's supposed to allegedly snow. It's supposed to snow on Saturday, and I happen to have a tea time, so I don't think I'm going to be playing. But that's a whole different topic. With that, it is going to get warm and stay warm more consistently outside of Saturday. So get your 30-point inspection with mighty plumbing and heating and air. Beat the rush while it's still inexpensive. Also, in May, you're going to get 150 bucks off of any AC repair and or... 150 bucks off of any plumbing service. You want to go with Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. They have over 800 five-star Google reviews. You can't get three people in a room to agree on toppings on a pizza. Over 800 people have agreed. Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air is the best, and one of those reviews is mine. They replaced my HVAC system because it was like 17 years old, got the best product out there called Rudd. Service was impeccable. If I could give six stars, I would. Mighty Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Go to MightyPH.com. What did you say about pizza again? You can't get three people in a room to agree on toppings on a pizza. What about pineapple? Depends on your age. If you're under the age of of 13, chances are you want pineapple on a pizza. I am of that ilk that believes that there should be an amendment to the Constitution that you you can't have pineapple on pizza. Now, why is that? I don't, I'm just offended by it. Why, why are you offended? Because it's and not. Maybe you're easily offended. Maybe you should just look into yourself and <laughs> talk to your team of therapists about that. <laughs> it's it's not from the original concept of pizza brought over from Italy. Well, well, if you want that, then you should only get Neapolitan pizza yes. and not get anything else. Is that what you do? Yes, I do. You only get Neapolitan no, pizza. I'm so I, wait a minute. So now, now you're just going against what you said. So if you order from Blackjack or Domino's or Sexy Pizza or Marco's, you're not getting Neapolitan pizza, which, by the way, I'm very familiar with. There is a special water and a special flour that you need to actually bring over to the United States in order to make it here in Denver. No pineapple for me, and I'm offended by it, and I won't back down from that. Yeah, but you got to give me a reason. You can't just go with I'm offended. What's the reason? It's just it's contradictory to the message, to the mission, to the history of pizza. Then my next book is going to be on pizza. Is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And what's going to be the title? Pizza, F, pizza F, pie. F pineapple. <laughs> what about ketchup on a hot dog? That's okay. See, you're wrong because I'm from <laughs> Chicago and it should only be mustard, onion, pickle. But I don't have a problem. So, with, I, I'm not offended. I don't have a problem with people putting ketchup on your on their hot dog. I don't want it, but if you want to do it, knock yourself out. I like both kinds of pizzas. The deep dish in Chicago, which is mostly bread. Yes. Loaded, and I'm a Chicago guy. You may or may not And know. like the Brooklyn-type pizza. You like the big slices the where you fold crust. them? I, I like both. It just depends on what kind of mood I'm in, where I am. I usually go to Geno's East when when we are in Chicago. Right. Uh, we usually go get thin crust pizza in New York, in Brooklyn. 
See, I don't even think, and I'm from Chicago, and this is blasphemous for me to say this, being a Chicago guy. To me, the best pizza is not New York-style pizza, and the best pizza is not Chicago pizza. What is it? Detroit-style pizza. I've never had Detroit-style pizza. The best pizza. To the best of my knowledge. The be- if you like crust, it's the best pizza because it is cut. It is a square pizza, and every single corner, and they put cheese on the side, and they bake it in, and it's super crispy, and it is super crunchy, and every bite is fantastic. We have had a breakthrough here. This, this is our first guy talk session. Right. I'm sure uh, many former program directors and current ones would be listening to the show saying, look, Eric and, and Terry can do guy talk, right? Yes. You need to try. I, I'll, I'll give them a cheap plug. There's a place called Jets Pizza. They're out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And if you hate the Red Wings, that's your business. <laughs> Just try the pizza. But do you? are you more of a crust guy? No. Are you more of a dough guy, more of a sauce guy? What, what, what's thin, your, what's thin your crust thing? guy? Oh, you well, then you won't like this pizza because this is a thicker crust. But, uh, but I will, but I, when I have an open mind, I will go have Gino's East, which is like the thickest crust. It's you, and you have, and you eat it with a fork and a knife, which for some people is blasphemous. I don't believe you should have to fold your pizza. I just don't. And I like thin, anything that's crispy, I like. So, But New York style is not crispy. It's doughy. You hold it up, yeah, and like something. It, 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 excuse the illustrations. It it's limp, and you can let your mind race how you want to. I want it to hold up, like it just took a shot of Viagra. I don't want it to bend over. I don't want to be able to fold a pizza. I want to be able to eat it where it's sticking straight out. Okay, after after our next break, we'll talk about uh, changing the oil. I've never changed oil. So that's uh, that's something I'm not overly familiar with. So I can't help you there. Okay. I apologize for that. All right, coming up after the break, we will talk about Broncos joint practice. Who will they practice against? Is it beneficial to have a joint practice? Is there a downside to having a joint practice? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman, if you're looking for wholesale loan to the public. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, the Broncos are going to have a joint practice or practices with the Cowboys leading up to their first preseason game on August 13th, which will be the first opportunity for Jerry Jones to walk up to Kenny Gregory and say, you absolutely effed me over. Other than that, they will practice on the field. (laughs) Uh, Do you like joint practices? Do you think they are beneficial? I do in the sense that by then they're sick of each other. They've they've seen each other a long time. They've, They've 
worked against each other. It's it's time to break out of that mold and try to be aggressive, hate somebody else, hit somebody else. Uh, there there are potential downsides, though. I mean, I want to see how. I don't know. I want to see how, and there's not going to probably be full tackling. I don't think they will be in full pads. If I remember last year correctly, I don't think there were full pads when the Broncos went up to Minnesota. Um, But whether there are full pads or not, uh, I'm curious to see if Javante Williams can evade Mm -hmm. a Micah Parsons as an example. I want to see how Pat Sertan goes up against one of the uh, Cowboys' top wide receivers, how the defense finds a way to, you know, maybe diagnose and shut down a Dak Prescott in practice. I mean, I've been to enough of these. I've been down to Dallas when the Broncos Mm -hmm. practiced down there many years ago. To your point, you're hitting somebody else. It's, It's fresh. And there have been more than a few times since the Broncos won the Super Bowl they have had joint practices, and I don't want to say that they haven't gone well, but I'll just say they haven't looked good. The other problem, though, is th- there's going to be somebody out there, some dumb you-know-what, who wants to co- grab a to- coach's attention, wants to stand out, wants to be seen, and that's the, where the potential for injury comes in. I, I agree if they're, if it's full pads. Somebody might be looking to show up on film, but I'm guessing both coaches will say to their players, don't be a hero. Because if you are trying to be a hero in a practice, a huge fight will break out. Guys will still do it. Um, I, I mean, you mean someone's going to lay somebody out? Yeah. You, uh, there will be a benches clearing brawl. And they will ask all the cameras to be shut off and they will escort the media out of the building. I don't know if I've ever seen a, jo- a joint practice where somebody just laid somebody out. Maybe they did something that they were a little aggressive. I I see that. One reason why I would never want a starter to play what was the fourth preseason game Mm -hmm. is for that exact reason. Yeah, Somebody is trying to make the team, and they are trying to make a play. And if they have to, you know, put somebody on blast, they will. You don't want that to be a starter. But these coaches talk to their own teams and say, do not get overly aggressive. They're going to get aggressive enough. But don't be throwing haymakers. Don't don't be you know hitting somebody in the helmet with your helmet. I don't I don't know how out of hand it would get, especially if they're not in pads. The context of this is that the days of daily doubles, daily even daily triples, yeah, full pads, contacted camp, it are gone. Correct. So that is the measurement that you're doing it with is is against that. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to, I mean, I've been blessed to cover four NFL teams, cover the Broncos for uh, too many years to count, um, <clears throat> the Bears, the Chiefs, and the Bills, and all of them were good teams. Well, the Bears weren't very good, but those other teams are really good. The Chiefs had Montana, the Bills had Kelly, and that whole cast of characters. The last time I remember, like, two-a-days was when Schottenheimer would have his guys do Oklahoma drills, mm-hmm. but that was back were in- they in Wisconsin? Yes. But that, like River Falls or something. Yes, River Falls. But that was that was over twenty five years ago. Yeah, they don't do that now because of the CBA. And back then, well, they really didn't have joint practices. Too. What's that? In common sense. But back when your father was a coach, 
Although what he coached the Bears around 1980, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah. And I think he was with the inaugural Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does that sound about right? He, yes, Tampa Bay and Denver. Yeah, I know far more about your father than I do about you. Um, I do know that your brother, by the way, he's part of the uh, dog show, isn't he? Yeah, he <laughs> was on the Westminster Kennel Club dog show for years, and now he does the NBC shows with John O'Hurley. So, oh, I bet that's hilarious. Yeah, it is. Did he like the movie Best in Show? <laughs> Joe Garagiolo at the time was the voice of the Westminster Kennel Club show on the broadcast. He hated it. He hated Best in Show? He hated Why? Best in Show. Does he not have a sense of humor? No. Well, you know who. He was very, he was skewered in the movie. He was satirized. Your brother? No. Oh, you're talking about, no, Joe, Joe Garagiola did not like Best in Show. My brother loved it. Oh, good. That's what I was about. If Joe Garagiola didn't like it, so what? I was, I'd, be, I'd be worried well, if your brother part- doesn't have it. He's had partners from, from Lester Holt to, to uh, Joe Garagiola and all over the, all over the map. Right. All right. Uh, what do we have? Uh, you know what? I want to move to something else. Because we're talking about joint practice. I mean, you can only spend so much time talking about what's going to happen against the Cowboys in three months. I want to get to something else. Russell Wilson, uh, he was at the Avs Blues game last night. He was he's been to Nuggets playoff games. He said that he said the Avalanche needs to bring their A game next time. He said that. No, I'm making that yeah. up. Um, he threw out the first pitch of the Rockies game. He is a sports fan. Um, some people on social media have been cynical about him saying, oh, look at Mr. Goody Two-Shoes being at all the games and holding up the noise, you know, holding up the noise sign and, you know, being Mr. Superfan. He's not even really part of our community yet. Everyone needs to just back off and just enjoy that you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback here. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to become part of the community. The answer is, so what? Right, exactly. It's like, it's like when people in the public get on players for doing charity work because the cameras are on them. Right. Well, so what? What's wrong? What's wrong with Having that being part of your motivation if you're doing good work. Here's the thing about Russell Wilson, I'm guessing, that people don't like. He seems too good to be true. He really does love his wife. Okay? He really does like giving back to the community. He's not a phony like Tim Tebow, who's a phony. Oh, no. I'll listen. I don't want to get into that. Phony. But I disagree with phony, you on phony, that. Phony, phony, oh, phony. Oh, no, you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I tell you what. I believe you're wrong. Okay. I tell you what. Tell me one thing. Tell me two things Tim Tebow did in this community. And no, just in the, I know he does things nationally. Yes. What did he do in this community? He's worked with young people around the country. What did he do in this community? That's what I asked. Okay. In Denver. He was, in, he was a national force. He was, a, he was a, an eye-catching phenomenon, and he did good. He has done and has, he has done good. Things. I want to know what he gave back to Denver with all of his years here, which is very little. That's all I'm okay, saying. That's your, okay. And his brother, his brother is oh, Robbie is the issue. worst, right? Even I think you would agree with well, me on that. Tim Tebow couldn't hit the curveball either. Right? Like Russell Wilson. Tim Tebow loved being Tim Tebow. And I can't believe we're getting into this conversation where he wanted to run in the rain with his shirt off and always be the first one to win. I can't believe we're talking about Tim Tebow, but people look at him like Russell Wilson. That's my point. What did, what's the first thing that Russell Wilson did when he came here? He went, went to, to the children's went hospital, children, <clears throat> went to children's hospital. He knew the cameras would be there, right? But what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. If That's it gets other people, I think it's great. If it gets other people to follow in your footsteps, yep. contributing to Children's Hospital, right. whether financially or in effort, right. That's fine. Right. What's wrong with that? 
Why why do you what's wrong with setting the tone for maybe your teammates getting involved Correct. too? Correct. Being a leader of the team and doing that. I that's what I just don't understand that. And uh I think he would have been a gritty a gritty left winger if he played hockey. Well, if he if he knew how to skate. Yeah. I mean there are a lot of I He's mean, a great all around athlete. There are a lot of great crossover athletes. You know, there are basketball players who played, you know, football and football players who played basketball. I'm talking about professionally, but no one's ever played hockey. Well, because you have to start out when you're like at age four. You got to learn to skate. To skate. And, you know, with the, this with Caleb Jones and Seth Jones, who were Popeye Jones' sons, they're both with the Chicago Blackhawks now. And uh, Popeye asked Joe Sackick, Hey, my son seems to like hockey. What should we do? And Joe says, skate, 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 right. skate, skate, skate. So now Popeye has two sons in the National Hockey League. By the way, you'll get a kick out of this because you're, you're an old school guy. Not an old guy, but an old school guy. There are two guys that played professional football and played professional basketball. Do you know who they are? Don't look at, don't look at the show notes that I put in there. I'm asking you off the top of your head. No, not off the top, not off the top of my head. But- uh, Otto Graham played professional basketball, and so did Bud Grant. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. I, oh, I, Bud Grant played for the Minneapolis Lakers. I right. That just popped back into my head. Right. You know, Dan, people forget Danny Ainge was a pretty good baseball player. With yeah, the I, I grew up with Dan, playing against Danny Ainge's brother, Doug, and Eugene. They were North Eugene, and we were South Eugene. So, it was like the Jets and the Sharks? Yes, Jets and da, the Sharks. Da, da, da. And Danny Ainge was just... Da, 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 Danny, da, da. Ainge, Danny Ainge bum, is just... Bum, a, bum, bum, bum. Is an amazing all-around athlete, and I covered him when he was with the Blazers, too. So I've seen him from several aspects, and uh, his, his family was legendary in Eugene, too. His dad was a great athlete, Don, Don Angel, who was at Eugene right. High School. Right. So Danny Angel is probably the best example. Bo Jackson was the best all-around two-sport athlete. Yes. Deion Sanders, to an extent. I think Deion Sanders is better. No, I'll take Bo Jackson in there. I and mean, there's not a right or wrong. Bo Jackson's injuries issues, yes, were were part of and, his and that. And I think ledger. that took away. Okay, um, Deion Sanders is arguably one of the top two cornerbacks to ever play this game. Yeah, because he didn't tackle anybody. He's one of the top two cornerbacks to ever play this game because he cut off a third of the field. Who's the other more. one? It doesn't matter. But Bo Jackson is not one of the top two running backs to ever play the game. Uh, yeah, I could go along with that. Well, he's not he, even close. He's not. He's not. He's not better than Barry Sanders. He's not better than Walter Payton. Okay, so he's not better than Emmett Smith. Not better than Jim Brown. Okay. Point is, Deion Sanders at his position, top two of all time, and he was a better baseball player, and he was a better baseball player <laughs> to boot, wasn't he? Bo Jackson had an arm. Yeah, like like Larry Walker. I, and I, better than Larry Walker, and I, that's a compliment. I would put an asterisk next to Bo Jackson because of the injury issue. I agree. But but when he played, yes, we all remember what he did to Brian Bosworth. We all know what happened in the Seattle game. We've seen that video too many times. Deion Sanders is a better football player than Bo Jackson, and it's not close. The, and injuries play a role in that. But baseball, Deion Sanders was a good hitter, stole a lot of bases, and was a pretty good fielder. Bo Jackson could throw the ball. Was he really that good of a hitter? No. So who's the better two-sport athlete? I still think Bo Jackson. Wait, I just laid it out for you. <laughs> Don't go Mason on me. Really? I also think we're overlooking... Back, there was a time when 
athletes around, including in Colorado, played like four sports in college. Right. I mean, Bus Berglund from North High well, had 12 letters at, uh, at Colorado State University. By the way. And he is, uh, he also won the, the bronze star on uh, Okinawa. By the way, uh, I'm wrong. Uh, first, for starters, I'm not wrong about this. Deion Sanders, better football and better baseball player than Bo Jackson, but Deion Sanders is not the best two-sport athlete of all time. And oh. it's not close there either, actually. There's one person on top of the list. <clears throat> you, Michael Jordan? Nope. Pick another gender. Oh. Babe Diedrichson Zaharias is the greatest Well, she was great multi- at anything she tried. Well, there you go. She was an Olympic athlete and a champion golfer. Mm-hmm. She is in her own league, but you know why no one brings her name up? Because she's a girl. That's why. Because we don't consider women. Married to George Zaharias. We, we don't consider women good athletes. We have to go with Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson. She is the best by far. You don't believe me? Go look up her. No, you. I, I will go, go look up her accomplishments. I think we're... We're Not you, look, listeners. We're looking at it with definition and terms, definition of terms stipulation. She dominated yes. in the Olympics, and she dominated in professional golf. Deion Sanders dominated in football. He did not dominate in basketball. Okay. What about Jesse Owens? He was pretty good. Yeah, he was. Yeah. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? The NHL and NBA draft lotteries both took place over the last week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, the ever-changing landscape of college football continues to change. We'll get into that, too, on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. When you're a jet, you're a jet All the way from your first cigarette To your last dying day When you're a jet, if the spit hits the fan You got brothers around, you're a family Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wild Card Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T. Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now. The final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at the McKenzieFirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, I know I did. Uh, The NBA and NHL draft lotteries both took place over the last week, last Tuesday. The Montreal Canadiens won the number one overall pick in the NHL draft, and last night, The Orlando Magic won the number one pick in the NBA draft. So both these leagues that compete in the winter have developmental leagues. And from what I know, 
the NHL one is superior to the NBA's G League. Uh, what are some of the reasons you think that is, that the NHL is the better developmental league? The G League will, will uh, if it ever gets its act together with a universal promotion and acceptance throughout the NBA, it probably will be better. It'll be more baseball-like, uh, and it will, be, it will be better than the NHL system. The NHL system is a hybrid of uh, major junior hockey, where uh, young men play in the three major junior leagues that are under the umbrella of the Canadian Hockey League, or they go NCAA hockey, uh, playing junior A hockey. This is getting technical, I know. Uh, where, they, where they play junior A hockey like uh, like Kale McCarr did, and then uh, save your NCAA eligibility and and go to uh, college to play NCAA hockey. And so it's uh, it's kind of complicated, but I like the NHL system because it's it's basically realistic. You can have you draft players at age 18. You watch them when they go off to play college, as with Kale McCarr and Tyson Jost, players like that. Or you, uh, or, or that's the one example of how, how you do it. And it could be, uh, or they go to NCAA hockey, and it's, so it's really a, a hybrid system where they. The players come through major, junior, or NCAA hockey, and I think that's a good way to do it. They, they, they're drafted. You see, you're watching a guy play NCAA hockey, and you know that Kale McCarr has been drafted by the Colorado Avalanche and probably is going to play one or two years and then and sign, which is exactly what happened. I like the I like the NHL system because it it, it recognizes realism. I would not want my kid to play major, junior hockey, though. It's pro pro like rules. It's it's a pro like pro-like traveling and i just don't think it's a good thing to de- developmentally especially for players who end up not becoming pros or nhl players the other thing is is that i think the minor leagues if that's what you want to call them um they are more beneficial uh for the nhl than the nba for this reason alone there are twice as many more spots on a roster yeah well and you can look up the up the road to loveland where the colorado Colorado Eagles are, are now in the American Hockey League as the top developmental team. So there are two components to NHL development. It's it's uh, the draft and watch system, and it's also the minor league system, minor right. league pro system. Right. So I, I like I like the amalgamation of the two, the hybrid nature of the two, and I think that's better than the NBA system. Just in case you missed it, NCAA Division One Council announced today that conferences will be allowed to determine which teams compete in conference title games for college football. The Pac-12 then announced that starting in 2022, this season, the Pac-12 championship will feature the two teams with the highest winning percentage, not the two teams that lead the divisions at the end of the season. What does scrapping divisions mean for college football, and do you foresee any conferences dragging their foot in doing so? Can I, can I chime in? I'm not answering your question, but I want you to answer Danny's question. It really doesn't matter what the Pac-12 does in football. Hey, they're, they're hey. Irre- they are irrelevant. They are irrelevant. They never play for the national title, and they don't win national titles. So you can have your little conference and organize it however you want to because the top two teams anyway are not going to wind up in the so final four. So how does this apply to the Southeastern Conference? You... I'll be more than happy to get into a conversation with you about why the Southeast Conference dominates and why they are far and away the best. Just keep looking at the national champions. Dollar signs. Well, yes, they have more money. Including the NAL now, and the gap's going to widen. Uh, it might. It might. But remember, 
Pac-12 schools are in major cities where the real NIL money is, as opposed to the SEC, where you don't have big corporations in Tuscaloosa. They're finding ways to get the money. Yeah, little car dealerships that make a lot of money. I I get that. The NIL was supposed to not include recruiting inducement, and it's obvious that that's become the case. Whole, whole Whole different conversation, but I'll tell you, DeVita, my fiance is the vice president DeVita. If they want to do an NIL with the CU football player, I'm sure they could pay a lot of money if they want yes. to, but they choose not to. And that's the advantage that the PAC 12 has. But Larry Scott screwed the entire thing up with the TV deal and so on and so forth. But in this case, you, you, you're avoiding having the first best, the best team in the conference playing the fourth best team in the conference in the conference championship. In, until PAC 12 football becomes relevant. Once it does, Nationally, that's when I'll truly I'll pay attention anyway, but I'll truly start paying attention. They're relevant. Well, we all know what the what it shows basketball what should too, be done is is a major expansion of the playoff field and uh, banning and and scrapping the conference championship games completely because you you don't have to worry about knocking yourselves off. I mean, it, you always know that that'd be what I do. I'd scrap the conference championship games completely and expand the playoff field. That was Mount High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you could walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. And their sales staff, you need something to fit your budget, they can help you out. You need something high-end, they can do that too. They can help you redesign an entire kitchen. Mount High Appliance, you can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk more about the Avalanche. A thrilling win yesterday. What did people think? What did Avs fans think on Twitter? Well, the reviews are mixed. That's next.